Chapter 30 Krishna's Hiding from the Gopis When Krishna suddenly disappeared from the company of the gopis, they searched everywhere for him. After not finding him anywhere, they became afraid and almost mad after him. They were simply thinking of the pastimes of Krishna in great love and affection. Being absorbed in thoughts of him, they experienced loss of memory, and with dampened eyes, they saw the very pastimes of Krishna, his beautiful talks with them, his embracing, kissing, and other activities. Being so attracted to Krishna, they imitated his dancing, his walking, and his smiling, as if they themselves were Krishna. Due to Krishna's absence, they all became crazy. Each one of them told the others that she was Krishna himself. Soon they all assembled together and chanted Krishna's name very loudly as they moved from one part of the forest to another, searching after him. Actually, Krishna is all-pervasive. He is in the sky and he is in the forest. He is within the heart and he is always everywhere. The gopis therefore began to question the trees and plants about Krishna. There were various types of big trees and small plants in the forest, and the gopis addressed them. Dear Banyan Tree, have you seen the son of Maharaj Nanda passing this way, laughing and playing on his flute? He has stolen our hearts and has gone away. If you have seen him, kindly inform us which way he has gone. Dear Ashok Tree, Dear Naga Flower Tree and Champak Flower Tree, Have you seen the younger brother of Balaram pass this way? He has disappeared because of our pride. The gopis were aware of the reason for Krishna's sudden disappearance. They could understand that when they had been enjoying Krishna, they thought themselves to be the most fortunate women within the universe. And since they were feeling proud... Krishna had disappeared immediately, just to curb their pride. Krishna does not like his devotees to be proud of their service to him. He accepts everyone's service, but he does not like one devotee to proudly consider himself better than others. If sometimes there are such feelings, Krishna ends them by changing his attitude toward the devotee. The gopis then addressed the Tulsi plants. Dear Tulsi, you are much beloved by Lord Krishna because your leaves are always at his lotus feet. Dear Malati flower, dear Malika flower, dear Jasmine flower, all of you must have been touched by Krishna while he was passing this way after giving us transcendental enjoyment. Have you seen Madhava pass this way? O mango trees, O trees of jackfruit, O pear trees and asan trees, O blackberries and bale trees, and trees of kadamba flower, you are all very pious trees to be living on the bank of the Amuna. Krishna must have passed through this way. Will you kindly let us know which way he has gone? The gopis then looked upon the ground they were traversing and began to address the earth. Dear earthly planet, we do not know how many penances and austerities you have undergone, 
to now be living with the footprints of Lord Krishna upon you. You are very jolly. The hairs on your body are these jubilant trees and plants. Lord Krishna must have been very pleased with you. Otherwise, how could he have embraced you in the form of Raha, the boar? When you were submerged in water, he delivered you, taking the whole weight of your existence on his tusks. After addressing the innumerable trees and plants and the earth, they turned their faces toward the beautiful deer who were looking on them very pleasingly. It appears that Krishna, who is the supreme Narayan himself, must have passed through this way, along with his companion Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune. Otherwise, how is it possible the aroma of his garland, which is smeared with the red kumkum from the breasts of the goddess of fortune, can be perceived in the breeze blowing here? It appears that they must have passed through here and touched your bodies, and thus you are feeling so pleasant and looking toward us with sympathy. Will you kindly, therefore, inform us which way Krishna has gone? Krishna is the well-wisher of Vrindavan. He is as kind to you as to us. Therefore, after leaving us, he must have been present in your company. O oh, fortunate trees, we are thinking of Krishna, the younger brother of Balaram. While passing through here, with one hand resting on the shoulder of the goddess of fortune, and the other hand whirling a lotus flower, he must have been very pleased to accept your obeisances, and he must have glanced at you with great pleasure. After searching for Krishna here and there, the gopis became fatigued, and then they began to talk like mad women. They could only satisfy themselves by imitating the different pastimes of Krishna. One of them imitated the demon Putana, and one of them imitated Krishna and sucked her breast. One gopi imitated the hand-driven cart, and another gopi lay down beneath the cart and threw up her legs, touching the wheels of the cart, as Krishna did to kill the demon Shakataswara. They imitated child Krishna lying down on the ground, and one gopi became the demon Trinavarta and carried the small child Krishna by force into the sky. And one of the gopis began to imitate Krishna while he was attempting to walk, ringing his ankle bells. Two gopis imitated Krishna and Balaram, and many others imitated their cowherd boyfriends. One gopi assumed the form of Bakasura, and another forced her to fall down as the demon Bakasura did when he was killed. Similarly, another gopi defeated Vatsasura. Just as Krishna used to call his cows by their different names, so the gopis imitated him, calling the cows by their respective names. One of the gopis began to play on a flute, and another praised her, the way Krishna's boyfriend praised him while he played on his flute. One of the gopis took another gopi on her shoulders, just as Krishna used to take his boyfriends. Absorbed in thoughts of Krishna, the gopi who was carrying her friend began to boast that she was Krishna herself. All of you, just see my movement. One of the gopis raised her hand with her covering garments and said, 
Now don't be afraid of torrents of rain and severe hurricanes. I'll save you. In this way, she imitated the lifting of Govardhan Hill. One gopi forcibly put her feet on the head of another gopi and said, You rascal Kalia, I shall punish you severely. You must leave this place. I have descended on this earth to punish all kinds of miscreants. Another gopi told her friends, Just see, the flames of the forest fire are coming to devour us. Please close your eyes, and I shall immediately save you from this imminent danger. In this way, all the gopis were madly feeling the absence of Krishna. They inquired about him from the trees and plants. In some places they found the imprints of the marks of the soles of his feet, namely the flag, the lotus flower, the trident, the thunderbolt, etc. After seeing those footprints, they exclaimed, Oh, here is the impression of the marks on the sole of Krishna's lotus feet. All the marks, such as the flag, the lotus flower, the trident, and the thunderbolt, are distinctly visible here. They began to follow the footprints, and shortly they saw another set of footprints beside them and immediately they became very sorry. Dear friends, just see. Whose are these other footprints? They are beside the footprints of the son of Maharaj Nanda. It is certainly Krishna passing through, resting his hand on some other gopi, exactly as an elephant goes side by side with his beloved mate. We must therefore understand that this particular gopi served Krishna with greater affectionate love than ourselves. Because of this, although he has left us, he could not leave her company. He has taken her along with him. Dear friends, just imagine how the dust of this place is transcendentally glorious. The dust of the lotus feet of Krishna is worshipped even by Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva and the goddess of fortune Lakshmi. But at the same time, we are very sorry that this particular gopi has gone along with Krishna, for she is sharing the nectar of Krishna's kisses and leaving us aside to lament. Oh, friends, just see, at this particular spot, we do not see the footprints of that gopi. It appears that because there were some pinpricks from the dried grass, Krishna took Radharani on his shoulder. Oh, she is so dear to him. Krishna must have picked some flowers in this spot to satisfy Radharani. Because here, where he stood erect to get the flowers from the high branches of the trees, we find only half the impression of his feet. Dear friends, just see how Krishna must have sat down here with Radharani and tried to set the flowers in her hair. You can be certain that both of them sat together here. Krishna is self-sufficient. He has nothing to enjoy from any other source. Yet just to satisfy his devotee, he has treated Radharani exactly as a lusty boy treats his girlfriend. 
Krishna is so kind that he always tolerates the disturbances created by his girlfriends. In this way, all the gopis pointed out the faults of the particular gopi who had been taken alone by Krishna. They said that the chief gopi, Radharani, who had been taken alone by Krishna, must be very proud of her position, thinking herself the greatest of all the gopis. Yet how could Krishna take her away alone, leaving us all aside? Unless she be extraordinarily qualified and beautiful, she must have taken Krishna in the deep forest and told him, My dear Krishna, I am now very tired. I cannot go any further. Please carry me wherever you like. When Krishna was spoken to in this way, he might have told Radharani, All right, better get on my shoulder. But immediately Krishna must have disappeared. And now Radharani must be lamenting for him. My dear lover, my dearest, you are so fine and so powerful. Where have you gone? I am nothing but your obedient maidservant. I am very much aggrieved. Please come and be with me again. Krishna, however, is not coming to her. He must be watching her from a distant place and enjoying her sorrow. All the gopis then went further and further into the forest, searching out Krishna. But when they learned that actually Radharani was left alone by Krishna, they became very sorry. This is the test of Krishna consciousness. In the beginning they were a little envious that Krishna had taken Radharani alone, leaving aside all the other gopis. But as soon as they knew that Krishna had also left Radharani, and that she was alone, lamenting for him, they became more sympathetic to her. The gopis found Radharani and heard everything from her about how she misbehaved with Krishna and how she was proud and was insulted for her pride. After hearing this, they became actually very sympathetic. Then all the gopis, including Radharani, proceeded further into the forest until they could no longer see the moonlight. When they saw that it was getting gradually darker, they stopped. Their mind and intelligence became absorbed in thoughts of Krishna. They all imitated the activities of Krishna and his speeches. Due to their heart and soul being completely given to Krishna, they began to chant his glories, completely forgetting their family interests. In this way, all the gopis returned to the banks of the Jamuna and assembled there. And expecting that Krishna must return to them, they simply engaged in chanting the glories of Sri Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 30th chapter of Krishna. Krishna's hiding from the gopis. <laughs>